Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Relunchables podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer and each episode we'll be breaking down another 90s, early 2000s kids movie. I am not alone. Each episode I'll be having on special guests to help me break down some of our favorite films from back in the day, including having on members of the cast and crew. Last week, we broke down The Luck of the Irish with my good friend Jake Levin and then had on Paul Hohen. That's right, director of the film, Paul Hohen came into the studio to record a bonus episode. So if you missed out on any of that content, please check it out. Especially considering Paul may have provided some breaking news on a status of the potential Luck of the Irish sequel. That's right. TMZ didn't break the news first. The Relunchables podcast did. Just a quick administrative item. Listeners have been reaching out to me with countless recommendations for movies to cover on the podcast, including films that are not technically Disney Channel original movies, but instead part of ABC's The Wonderful World of Disney, like Blank Check, First Kid, Model Behavior, Punks, and my personal favorite, My Date with the President's Daughter. While I don't know when we will stop doing Disney Channel original movies, I can say that we may slip in some of these imposters into the mix, so stay tuned. On this episode, we are bringing on a very special guest. This is someone I care very deeply for. We have known each other our entire lives. We have distinct memories of watching these films back in the day, and I can't wait to have her on the podcast. Full disclosure, she may or may not have taken an edible before recording, so some viewer discretion there. I'll let my listeners decide on that one. So moving on, (laughs) on this episode, we are recapping the classic 1999 Disney Channel original movie, The 13th Year. So let's roll the trailer in that nostalgic Disney Channel intro music. Cody had it all. So lucky to be dating Cody Griffin. Feels like I'm king of the world. Until he turned 13. Something seriously wrong with me. And grew some fins. I think you're a mummy. A what? A fish boy. <sighs> As if growing up weren't hard enough. The month goes completely normal. Imagine having to hide your flippers. Next time I take a bath, I'm probably going to sprout gills and a tail. Die into the 13th year. Sunday at 8, 7 central. Thank you, Ashley, for joining me on the Relunchables podcast. For my listeners who don't know, I bring on a new guest each episode to recap their choice of Disney Channel original movies. I would have thought we'd be doing Brink or Cadet Kelly or at least Motocross before the 13th year. But no, here we are. Uh, Why did you choose the 13th year? Well, it was a no-brainer for me. I love mermaids. It was also the first Disney movie that popped to mind. I think I was between that and double teamed, but this one definitely ranked as my favorite, at least so I thought. Is this the one you've seen the most or you just love talking about it? I've definitely seen Cadet Kelly the most or High School Musical. So I'm going to say I just like to talk about this one. 
Uh, the 13th year was directed by Dwayne Dunham and written by uh, Jenny Arada, Robert Baird, and Kenny Senegal. It has a 6 out of 10 on IMDb and a 54% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Last week, we did The Luck of the Irish, which got a 53%. So this got a slightly better review, which may be controversial, maybe not. It was released on Friday, May 15th, 1999. It was the seventh Disney Channel original movie released and was the second highest rated film up until that point. And a favorite writer of ours, Stephen Lee of Entertainment Weekly, called the film a heartwarming and somewhat creepy tale of growing up. Is that an accurate description of the 13th year? Spot on. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any memories of us growing up and watching these films? I think many friends of mine think that all I did was a kid was stay in every day and watch TV. Could you at least tell my listeners that I did go outside? You did go outside. You played a lot of wiffle ball. You also hosted um, underground poker tournaments. So (laughs) that should definitely be included. Um, And to note, listeners, also, we did watch a lot of Disney Channel original movies. It was a Friday pastime. Our mom would, like, do this thing where she would go to Blockbuster and buy one of those popcorns that popped itself, probably full of cholesterol. And basically, we'd sit there, eat, and ravish and all that Disney created. <laughs> I forgot about those popcorns. You're right. It had the bag <laughs> built into the cardboard. And all you have to do is throw it in the microwave. Oh, my God. I can't find – can we find those anymore? I don't know. I'll have to do some researching after this. We have to look on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so moving on to the, uh, to the categories here, uh, how would you describe the plot of the 13th year? Phenomenal. No one's ever done it before. Think about it. It, It's a little boy. He gets thrown onto a boat. He's a baby. I mean, Uncle Joey is playing the dad. You can't get more of an iconic cast than that. Um, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, but Dave Corrier. Corrier? Coulier. Close enough. He's fine. Um, I mean, it was his best role yet. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into uh, some of the most rewatchable scenes here. And uh, my first one is kind of very early on into the film, which is the first swim meet, uh, where we kind of see the team make it to state finals. Cody just loses to Sean. Uh, but Sam decided to walk home with Cody as opposed to getting in Sean's dad's new red BMW. I don't know. I love this scene. I don't know if Sam would actually choose walking home as opposed to getting in that sweet BMW. What do you think of that scene? I think she's full of shit. no one's walking home with a wet boy everyone's getting in that red bmw however sean's kind of an ass cody was cool so i get it you want to like go with the underdog and like stand out a bit but let's be honest you're not walking home with him it's super strange because cody comes in second and yet you know sean's the the winner of the race and no one gives a shit about him it's all about cody and i feel kind of bad for sean he's kind of an asshole throughout the film so it's hard to feel too bad but Usually I feel like this was a very uh, different kind of film where the guy who's actually winning everything doesn't get everything he wants. Yeah, I mean, he's not a merman, so what do you expect? (laughs) The next scene uh, that I had as one of my favorite rewatchables is Cody's birthday party, where his mom makes the famous beet cake that nobody wants to eat. uh, And Sam gives Cody a framed picture of herself (laughs) as the birthday gift and then says, I have another gift but this one you don't have to open. And of course, this is when she just closes her eyes and gives like the kissy face and Cody takes that as a hint and we see that electric shock 
between them when they try to kiss. Uh, I clearly remember that shock happening even before I rewatched it. Uh, what do you think of this scene? And does this remind you of any birthdays you had growing up? I truly don't think anyone's ever framed a photo of just them and given it to me. I'd probably just literally throw it right back at them and say, I don't want this shit. Um, leave it up to Disney to make like young romance as awkward as possible and give people totally the wrong idea of what you should give your first crush. Please, anyone listening, never frame a photo of yourself. Frame a photo of Larry David, anybody but yourself. Don't do that. Um, the shock was iconic, definitely rewatchable. It's definitely something you call out. I mean, to me, there's a lot of rewatchable scenes, but the most like, oh yeah, that happened was the shock. And then when he stuck himself to the ceiling, that's one of my personal favorites. But, um, don't be Sam. Sam's the worst character in the whole movie. Don't be Sam. Just don't. Uh, we'll get into Sam a great deal during the rest of this podcast. Uh, the only other rewatchable scene that I had was what you mentioned. It's kind of when Cody first discovers his powers. He has electricity with the alarm clock. He can't let go of the juice, which leads to one of my favorite scenes where he's looking at his hands and then his mom comes in the kitchen and she's doing the same thing. Like, is this just something that teenage boys go through? Should I be reliving this with Cody? It's super awkward. The mom is so dumb throughout the entire film. And I kind of... I don't know, was this Spider-Man? Like, was this Spider-Man before Spider-Man? Because I didn't know these powers were for mermaids. I don't think they are. I've never seen a fish wave their hands at me like that, so, or stick to, like, the ceiling. But I think the mom scene with the moving hands in the kitchen was definitely hysterical. Like, looking back, the first time I rewatched this was with my roommates currently, and we were like, this is the worst acting ever. But at the same time, I was like, this is actually unbelievable. <laughs> but you have not asked me my rewatchable scene, and we do not align. Okay, let's hear it. My favorite rewatchable scene, just because leave it to Disney to copy stuff that's not their own, by the way, I am a Disney employee, so I hope no one at Disney is listening to this. But no one, you have not mentioned Jess when he um, gets brought back to life and he wakes up and pulls a complete Sandlot moment and goes, did I just dream that I was making out with your girlfriend? That to me is still to this day because that's my favorite part of the Sandlot too. But um, I thought that was so funny and like still I laughed and it's probably been like what, 15 years since I've seen the movie? <laughs> Jess has some amazing quotes throughout this film. We'll get to a lot of them when we get the best quotes, but he is just an icon of this film. Uh, yeah. Do you have any other rewatchable scenes, or should we move on to what is aged the best? We can move on. Okay. Uh, my first one for what is aged the best is Cody's mom's dietary habits. I think she was way ahead of her time. She made the beet cake. She's got the gluten-free, plant-based diet. I saw the wheatgrass in the background in the kitchen. She's clearly making wheat shots. Honestly, if she was in LA during this time, she would be right on par with what everyone's doing. Like, it's amazing back in 99 that she was so ahead of the game. I know her husband and her kid were looking at her like she was crazy throughout this film, but maybe she knew something. Yeah, I would say that. And I would say the whole, like, you know, middle school that leads into high school mentality of the swim meets, your parents are all there. That will forever be... I hope and stay something that, you know, brings a community together, whether it's your parents or your fans or your peers or your teammates, that to me, those types of scenes are still relevant. Fair enough. We'll get into some of that because I have a little bit of a nitpick with specifically swimming, but we'll get to that. Uh, 
What about middle school relationships? I think that has aged well. We barely see Sam and Cody together, and yet they're supposedly dating. Uh, it's pretty much every low-key middle school relationship portrayed in this film. It really brought me back to middle school. And I have to think that's probably what's going on nowadays, right? Um, I would say it brought me back to my middle school experience. I don't know today with all the TikTok and that shit going on. I don't think so. But then again, I don't know anybody in middle school anymore, uh, which is a good thing. <laughs> but I don't know, honestly. It definitely reminded me of my middle school like take, but I don't know about today. Kids are crazy. <laughs> What about the 90s fashion here? We see the coach rocking the suspenders. I actually think the suspenders are coming back in with suits. And then a lot of vests. You know, I think the vest that, you know, Jess is wearing and Cody's wearing, that's kind of back. And a lot of the finance bros and uh, people on Wall Street, they're rocking those vests at work. Oh, yeah, it's Midtown uniform. But, um, I no, that was definitely back. I think Jess's glasses are also coming back, the big round glasses with that are clear. Um, the only person that I must say style just didn't do it, Jess's dad. That has got to go. The baggy jeans, oh, God, he's the worst character. But, I mean, that, no one, ever, ever, ever bring that back, please. So one other what is aged the best this, I don't know if you can relate to this, but it's just bringing a jug of water to school. I don't know if you remember in high school and middle school, people just walk around with a jug of water. Maybe they were like training for sports or something. But that jug of water, I clearly remember seeing during my middle school and high school years. And it brought me right back to that. Do you remember the walking around with the gallon jug? I do remember that more in high school for like the football players carrying it. I actually pretty recently and maybe like two years ago when I was working at ABC would bring a gallon of water <laughs> to work and me and my friend Rich would do a challenge and try and see who could finish it first in a day um so <laughs> it's still relevant in my life I think I drowned my lungs but I do remember that in high school <laughs> as well yeah I don't think Cody was using it to like bulk up or get more you know I guess he was thirsty. He was thirsty. He definitely was thirsty. That's going to be a common theme of this podcast. Uh, one other, what is age the best for me, is school fights. I love a school fight. When somebody yells fight, a bunch of kids join up. I never had that experience in middle school or high school where there's like that stereotypical scene out of a film, but I just love seeing it. It still works today. Did you ever have that quintessential fight scene at a school? Yeah, I saw it like a few times in middle school, East Chester Middle School represent, and then I saw it a couple of times in high school, and then a couple of times in college, unfortunately. <laughs> Never partook, just as a bystander, just have to note that. We all know you were secretly a bully, we, we know this. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm considered the nice one in my friend group, which is kind of shocking. <laughs> Did you have any other, what is age of the best, or should we move on to what is age of the worst? Um, I think I'm good. Okay. Uh, I want to start with what is age the worst is the divide between nerds and jocks. They really make it apparent in this film. And I don't think nowadays you, you see that in films and television. You know, they portray Jesse as small, weak. He's got the thick frame glasses. He's in the band. While Cody is, I don't know how they're the same age because Cody looks like he's twice his size. And Cody's on the swim team. He gets terrible grades. I think these stereotypes are completely broken down today and it has not aged well. What do you think? 
I agree. I mean, I definitely think groups in, you know, middle school and high school stay prominent and, you know, people definitely, there's some schools are more clickier than others, but I definitely don't see the typical like jock being dumb or nerd having no friends. Like you don't really see that anymore, which is good. I completely agree. Uh, what about Cody's mom's view on doctors? <laughs> His mother believes that they're all quacks with stethoscopes. I can only imagine what her opinions on vaccinations are. Honestly, she might be a little a little crazy, but we see a lot of these people today. I think she fits in with that certain group of, you know, Californians that uh, say no Advil, no this. You don't need to go to the doctor. Your body will recover. I think there's definitely a niche for her now. However, yeah, I don't think that's aged well. I have a lot of stuff that didn't age great. <laughs> <laughs> what about the light next to Cody's bed displaying the rainbow of colors? As someone who prided themselves in having a light collection, those lights have not aged well. I kind of had a very similar light like that when I was in middle school, but I don't think anyone's bringing those back. No one's bringing those back, but it was nostalgic. And I was like, hmm, maybe I want a lava lamp. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about uh, Sam's prejudice against mermaids? She just bolts upon seeing Cody in his fins. And honestly, you know, there's a, I, I don't like the, the hate on mermaids here. It's, it's very disrespectful. You know, it's not the Disney message of being inclusive. What's wrong with Sam, really? Sam's a brat. She's a typical <laughs> middle school girl, but she's not like cool because if I was dating a merman, I would be like, holy shit, I'm dating a merman and like publicize it and like, I don't know, get clout from that. But she, <laughs> she definitely is a loser. I wasn't a fan. She was mean. She wasn't supportive. She couldn't try to help him out. She just left and like told him he was, she was going to tell people and looked at him as if he was weird. Come on. You've never seen a mermaid before. You would be like, holy shit, jump out of the water. Show me your tail. Like you would ask so many questions. You wouldn't just be like, ew, you're a mermaid. No. Also coming from someone who tweeted at 21st Century Fox, like two years ago in college and my roommate's three years ago, won't let me live it down, saying they ruined my life when they didn't make Aquamarine 2, which is still true to this day. I just don't understand. If you saw a mermaid or a merman, you would not be like, ew, get away from me. You'd be like, holy shit, this is so cool. So now I want to get to one of the other, what has aged the worst. And if we have Sam's level of intrigue for mermaids on one end of the spectrum, we have Jesse's dad, Big John, on the other level, which is a high degree of creepiness. He can't wait to look at Cody in the water. He's got the binoculars on him. He's looking at like a 15-year-old boy. It is super creepy. What do you have to say about Big John? Big John is your typical town creep. He's <laughs> weird. His style's horrendous. The actor was so bad. Um, he's a weirdo. And I'll get to something when we go to best quotes because there's something he says that Truly, I had to replay it because I was like, Disney cannot be serious with this. But he's an ass. He also refers to mermaids as fruitcakes, and that didn't age well at all. Um, that was my most unaged well, because obviously that would never fly today. Also, he's rude. He's mean. He's gross. The way he looks at, you know, the real mermaid is gross. He just, he's a creep. He's disgusting. <laughs> I think you'd be a big fan of TLC's creep. What do you think? I think so. I think it defines him. <laughs> uh, I had a few other uh, small ones. We had the landline and listening to the voicemail when Cody's asking Sam for help. That's an iconic scene we see in a ton of 90s films, just the technology. Uh, 
We had the double T-shirt look that Cody is rocking at one point. I do remember wearing two T-shirts. I don't know why anyone would put on two T-shirts on top of one another. Did you ever rock that look? I rocked everyone, rocked the double tank top. You'd wear like blue and then the pink went over it, but you'd like push the strap over so that you could see you were wearing two tank tops. Like, what the fuck? How did I not overheat one and two? How uncomfortable. Like, imagine wearing two t-shirts today. You couldn't pay me. I do like the 90s look that they had in one scene with the long sleeve and then the baggy shirt over it. That's definitely made a comeback. I'm into that look, but why did we ever wear two t-shirts? Ew. The other thing, which is super small, but, you know, given... Given that we're Jewish, I, I particularly uh, took offense to was the doctor's name is Dr. Schwartz. And this was just a stereotypical doctor's name, especially because he diagnoses Cody's condition as puberty. So he clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. So I don't know. I took a little bit of offense to the Dr. Schwartz reference. See, I did not. I was a great <laughs> name for a doctor. That was the doctor who did my knee surgery. I was like, great name. Uh, do you have any others? What is age the worst? No, besides the fruitcake line, um, and then some of the creepiness about, you know, Big John, I don't think that's aged well because the way he's looking at the boy, the way he goes after Cody when Cody's in the water and fully reveals he's a merman, that's not cool, John. You're a loser. Get out of the film. Let's, let's move on to which actor or actress would you have thought would have made it big after watching the 13th year. And I think we have four options. We have Chez Starbuck, obviously, who plays Cody Griffin, who may be on the podcast later this week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Courtney Draper, who plays Sam, who's now actually an attorney in LA. Uh, Timothy Redwine, who plays Sean Marshall, who, of course, is the bully. He was also in the film Punks, which is one of my favorites. And then Justin John Ross, who plays Jess. So after watching this film, which one of these four actors or actresses would you have thought would have had a long career? I I know the typical answer is Cody. However, I thought Sean because, you know, I remember watching the movie when I was young and him being my like crush in the movie because we were close in age. But I thought he actually played a great like, you know, stereotypical jock and that was super in at the time. I also thought, you know, he could be big. Um I don't know why you didn't include Uncle Joey in that list, but. <laughs> we tried to include only kid actors because at that point, you don't really know. At that point, Joey had been established, but <laughs> I'll give it to you. But I thought Sean would have made it big. I mean, not that I kept up with anybody after this movie, but the typical answer, I guess, would be Cody. However, I thought Sean was a pretty good actor. See, I have to disagree. I think it was actually Justin John Ross as Jess. I thought Jess was the best actor in the film, to be honest. I thought he was the most natural playing that role. Yeah, because he looks like a nerd. That doesn't count. He also looks like the Sandlot boy. He's a repetition. I'm sorry. The guy who played, you know, um, what's the nickname in the Sandlot? Shit, I'm losing it. But yes, the one who plays Smalls in the, in the Sandlot, he's the original Jess. Come on. Jess is a knockoff. I think the movie doesn't work without Jess's performance. He is the emotional beat of this film for sure. And I have to give it to him as uh, someone I would have thought would have had a long career. Let's move on to what was the most Disney moment? You know, these Disney movies are always trying to, you know, teach you something, even if they are entertaining you. Uh, what were you supposed to learn from the 13th year? You know, there really wasn't that much learning. Like I can recall in Double Teamed and I can recall in Cadet Kelly what the lesson was. But here, I mean, they didn't do a great job. The big 
<laughs> defining moment is when Jess's dad finally realizes like, holy shit, you saved my son's life. I need to let you live in peace. But if he didn't save Jess's life, he would have gone after him with the net and captured his mom forever. So like there wasn't the <laughs> Disney wants us to learn something here. It's, you know, save someone's life and maybe you'll save your own. But no, there was no really like lesson here, which is funny because like I think the Disney movie that does it the best is The Color of Friendship, which is phenomenal, to be honest. I think that's still very like relevant today, but there's no like big defining moment here. Like, oh, wow, his parents learned to accept him and let him go to the sea and he'll be back for the school year. OK, so like, I would have to say acceptance. But the big moment is when, you know, Big John finally says, like, OK, Cody, go be yourself. Go live. Mermaids are beautiful. But like, there's no real learning lesson here. I do think you hit the nail on the head with acceptance. And there's a lot of different people accepting. I think Cody accepting Jess as a friend is a big moment. You said, you know, the parents accepting that Cody needs to go on and live with his biological mother, uh, you know, Sam kind of accepting who Cody is. And that was a big part of growing up. I will I will succeed that, you know, this you're right. This movie, there was not a lot of lessons or a kind of like a big one to learn. I wonder this might just be a conspiracy theory of mine. Was the 13th year a metaphor for puberty? You know, we see a lot. This is, you know, 13 years old. His mom talks about, you know, you're going through a lot of changes, your entire life changes at 13. Was this kind of a metaphor for kids? You know, they're seeing their bodies change. Was this something that they need to, you know, kind of see on the screen as them coming to terms with their, you know, just, just changing in general? Yeah, I would say that is a good outtake. Definitely, you know, at 13, you're finally a teenager, you're in middle school, you're establishing your friends and you're learning what you do and you don't like, um, both socially and then obviously within what you like, you know, um, academically. However, they stretched it a little far. I don't see anyone turning into a mermaid. Trust me, I've tried to grow, you know, scales and fins for a lot of my life. It's not happening, unfortunately. Um, I can only pray I get reincarnated into a mermaid, but that's not in my hands to decide. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Let's move on to the coolest parent award, which is, you know, what parent you would have wanted growing up. And I think there's a runaway answer here, but I'll go into, you know, our three options. So we have, of course, with Griffin, played by David Coulier, Cody's adoptive father. We have Lisa Stahl, who plays Sharon Griffin, who's Cody's adoptive mother. And then we have Stephanie Dorelli, who doesn't have a line in the film, who's Cody's biological mother, but we could just refer to her as the mermaid. So I know maybe David Coulier is the obvious choice, but how could you beat having a mermaid as a mom? What? Are you kidding? David Cleary is not the obvious choice. He's such a nerd in the movie. Are you kidding? The mermom, first of all, she's not a mermaid. She's a mermom. Second of all, she doesn't speak once. She speaks telepathically to him. If we, okay, for those who haven't paid attention to this yet, me and Jordan are siblings and I love our mother to death, but imagine your mom couldn't like talk back to you or like yell at you. I'm obviously picking the mermom. Also like, dude, she just like left her baby on a boat and was like, peace, see ya, gotta go. I'll come back for you when you're 13. And like, literally she's iconic. Even in like the swim scenes, she just like looks at him and she's like, okay, do what you want. Like, oh, you jumped out of the water, cool. Like she didn't give a fuck. I would obviously want her as my mom. I am not choosing Cody's adoptive mother, Sharon. She just steals other people's kids. You can't do that. <laughs> she didn't steal him. They did the right thing. They went to the police station. I don't no know. one reported him missing. <laughs> He's very eager to steal that baby. I could see it. Uh, and 
I don't know. I keep going back and forth. I love David Coulier in this role. He's kind of just like the every dad that we see in these films. He's got some great lines. Ugh. Between a mermaid, the mermaid doesn't talk. She would always be telepathically in your mind. I couldn't handle that level of, of interference with my life. She would always be just putting messages in my head. I'd be like, get the fuck out of my head, mom. But of course, you know, she really can't come. You really can't fight back with her. This is this is tough. I'm going David Coulier here as with Griffin, and it seems like you're going with the Mermom. I'm going with Mermom. <laughs> Let's get into some of these nitpicks because I have a I have a lot uh, of what didn't really make sense in the beginning. Big John's boat has a sonar system that says sonar fish finder, and it says it's locked on the target. There's no way in 1999 some fisherman boat has this level of technology. I don't even know if the military had this level of technology in their ships. I mean, as an avid watcher of the documentary Blackfish, I do know very closely. I consider myself an expert, having seen that movie probably 27 times now, um, that there is a lot better technology with sonar out now. However, what it looks like on a screen today is black with just dots. You couldn't actually be able to pinpoint at a specific um, sea level what exact type of fish you're seeing. So they were so far-fetched. I mean... Disney is out there to begin with, but that was very far-fetched. To me, the whole editing in the water was just terrible. I was like, oh, God. I mean, rewatching these movies, I'm like, who filmed this on their Razor camera? Uh, we talked about, you know, not even 30 seconds into the film, you know, Co you know, the Griffin's fine, Cody wrapped in the fishing net, and Cody's soon-to-be mom asked if she could keep him. So no one is going to look for the potential shipwreck or put up flyers. Like, I know she says she goes to the police, but she really just wanted this baby and she was going to do anything it took to keep him, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest lack in this movie and my biggest nitpick was that they didn't give him a sibling. Because I think it would have been a really cool dynamic if, like, he was, you know, the adopted one. And then he had, like, a little sister, a little brother, an older sister, an older brother. And they kind of, like, helped him keep it a secret from the parents. Like, I feel like they could have dove in. They never really explained why they were so eager for the kid. That's true. Uh, I have, you know, no tears from the mermaid when her kid is taken. She just, you know, you just see a shot of her in the water of her face. And maybe she's upset, but... And maybe she's just covered in water so you can't see the tears. But honestly, if you just lost your kid, I would have, I don't know, I would have done something. She just didn't really have any reaction there. The mermom is iconic because she doesn't give a fuck. She's what every <laughs> character aspires to be, but she actually did it. Uh, do, do swim coaches wear suits? Because we have Cody's swim coach in a full-on suit. He's by the water. I have never seen a swim coach dressed in a suit. They're usually in, you know, more casual gear. You're going to get wet. Why a suit? I think in college, don't they wear a suit? I honestly have never seen a swim coach in a suit. I could be wrong. I was never on the swim team. But I have to say that that does not look natural to me. And he was the only coach at the meet in a suit. I don't know. Maybe it was a part of his swag. Why are you hating on his suit? I wish all of my coaches wore a suit. <laughs> when Cody is in the beginning of the film and he has to race to get to the first swim meet and he just misses the ferry and then just decides to swim the length of whatever that was, the river, the lake, to get to the swim meet, that's like at least three miles on that ferry. There's no way he's swimming that, running to the swim meet, and then entering the race. Honestly, that was completely unbelievable to me. Wouldn't he just be exhausted? 
No, he's a merman. What don't you understand? They can swim 10,000 miles and still be able to do a swim meet. I don't, I don't see many mermaids running triathlons during the day casually. I don't know. I don't, I don't buy it. Well, let me know when the next time you see a merman and we'll sit him down for the podcast too. <laughs> well, I will be having him on. So, so we have the class geek, Jesse, falls into the pool with this trombone. He screams out, I can't swim. And the only thing that the swim team does is laugh. If Cody's not there, he drowns. The coach just says, someone get that kid out of my pool. No one's showing any sympathy or concern. What is up with that? (laughs) When you say it, it sounds kind of like (laughs) Disney really did that. (laughs) Um, I think that if I saw a kid fall in the pool with his trombone, yes, that's obviously, like, you're going to laugh because, like, why are you in with your trombone? But, like, the second you realize, oh, he's not drowning, you know, being someone who lifeguarded and took those courses, you definitely jump in the water and save him. The coach saying, someone get that kid out of my pool is truly one of my favorite lines of the movie because I feel like coaches would still say that today. We touched on the doctor that thinking that climbing on the walls like Spider-Man is just puberty. This doctor is crazy. I would immediately be calling the government, I don't know, some scientists. There's no way you could chalk that up to puberty. I never got the ability to climb on the walls. I don't know. This is Marvel. I mean, this isn't Marvel. This is Disney, okay? So they're going to make doctors and police officers look as dumb as they possibly can to make a point. However... I mean, yeah, if someone told me they were climbing on the walls, one, I'd be like, show me, like, prove it. And then two, I would probably call 911 after obviously making a lot of money by selling the video footage. Just don't call this doctor Dr. Schwartz. It just, I don't know, just don't, don't make this quack a Jewish doctor. I, that's, I just take offense to that. Uh, Sean tells Cody, we are the guys everyone wants to be. The swim team is never this popular at any school. It's the basketball team, it's the football team, maybe the lacrosse team, but never the swim team. Come on. No, they're not the guys anyone wants to be. Maybe in like Seattle where like water polo is big, but they're not even playing water polo. So truly no. This is just a terrible one and a flat out lie. And I had to do a little Mythbusters research on this, but the final scene where Jesse is pretty much dead and Cody uses his ability to shock him back to life, like putting some like paddles on him. This is a lie. Electricity won't jumpstart a heart when there's no pulse. I had to do a lot of deep dive into this, but there is no way that kind of electric shock would restart a heart like that. It's complete idiocracy, and I don't know how it made it into the film. Well, clearly, someone didn't do enough research because you didn't listen to when Jess first diagnoses Cody and he takes the scale and he says, oh, and Cody says, well, what about my um, electric power? And he says, oh, eels have that. You missed that, honey. So um, I believe it because, one, you don't know. You've never taken an eel and tried to zap someone back to life. I don't think anybody has. So how are you proving that? So you didn't go far enough in your research, one. And two, I don't know. If I'm dead and you need to resuscitate me and those um, I forget what they call it when you try and resuscitate someone, those shockers. I don't know. If it's not working, grab an eel. Try it out. I just want to come back to life. I hope no one listening to this podcast takes medical advice from you. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> moving on to some of the best quotes of the film. I need to start with this okay. one. Okay, you can start. The best quote, undeniable, of this movie that I had to rewind it, not once, not twice, but three times, is when 
Big John finally comes to acceptance with the mermaid and he says, wow, she looks the same as 13 years ago. Bitch, you are not 26. <laughs> what? They picked a 50-year-old man to say he is 26? Are you kidding me? And I know that he thinks he's 26 because when he first talks to his son and they're in that creepy lab thing he has, Jess says, Dad, when did you first see that mermaid? And he said, when I was 13. Now he's saying she still looks the same as 13 years ago. You are not 26. Who the hell let him say that? It truly, I I couldn't stop laughing. I had to go downstairs because I was like, I'm going to wake my house up. Who the hell let him say he was 26? Please. Well, we see him in the beginning of the film see her, so we know he's not 13. I don't remember that line specifically. Gotta rewind. <laughs> he literally says when he's with Jess and Jess starts saying, Dad, when's the first, tell me everything you know about mermaids. When was the first time you saw one? Didn't he he say said, when I was 13. No. I, 13 years ago. No, he said 13. We'll have to agree to disagree. I'm literally about to pull up Disney Plus out of my phone right now because I want the listeners to know that you're wrong. <laughs> we'll have to uh, provide some uh, context on that one a little bit later. But I want to get to one. One of my favorite quotes is in the beginning where they're all on the family boat. I think it's called the Tiki 2. And the old woman asked, I think it was Dave Coulier, when the boat is shut down, I guess there's some problems with the boat and he's trying to fix it. She asked, for $5, I expect much more. It's a $5 boat ride, woman. What do you expect? Like, come on. Even in 99, a $5 boat ride isn't buying you much. Like, calm down, lady. So one of my favorite quotes is when Sam asked Cody why he didn't tell her about his changes. And Cody says, honestly, the realest thing. He goes, Sam, we're in junior high. If someone wears the wrong shorts, people talk. Is that, that's the most middle school thing, isn't it? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I was in middle school in the age of Jersey Shore when everyone pooped their hair up, wore like juicy couture sweat outfits and you would judge someone based on the color outfit you wore. So totally still relevant. And I'm sure it still happens today. <laughs> uh, I want to get to some of uh, Jess's quotes because he's got some of the best ones of the film. He goes, I finally get a friend and he turns into a fish. That's so typical. And we have a lot more from Jess. I want to touch on a few more. Uh, he goes, when, when uh, Cody visits him by the tide pools, and he asks him, what were you doing with your head in the tide pools? And Jess responds, that's how social outcasts spend their day. I just feel for Jess so much in these quotes. It's, it's honestly heartbreaking. Like, you want to shed a tear for some of these. He goes, nerds don't really have friends. We just have hobbies. I feel like he says the same thing, like, ten different ways. Uh, another one where Cody asks, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then Jess says, imagine yourself floating in a tank on the Jerry Springer show. I, I feel terrible for, uh, for what Cody must think when he hears that, like showing up on the Jerry Springer show at the time was probably the worst thing in the world, right? Yeah. Especially if you were the father. <laughs> uh, Jess trying to break up the fight at school, and he goes, if anyone is going to get beaten up here, it's going to be me. Which, again, is just like, how many times has he probably got beaten up in that school where he's just like, what is going on? Why am, not, why am I not getting pounded right now? All right, but Jess also, like, stop it. 
Like, you're just self-wallowing in your nerdiness and, like, honestly own it. And Disney does a bad job of not, you know, making Jess, like, the superhero. And, again, having him be the one that almost dies again, like, the weakling of the group. I mean, it's just, it's not cool because he was funny. I mean, the most recognizable line to me when he's like, of course I get a friend now and it's a fish. Like, bitch, what are you complaining about? Like I said, if it was me, I'd be like, yes, my friend's a friggin' fish. There's a lot of self-deprecating humor from Jess. I'm going to touch on just one last more. It's my favorite. He goes, I'm not, I'm just not used to talking to people who have reputations to protect. Come to think of it, I'm not really used to talking to people, period. Which <laughs> just really just sums up Jess in a nutshell. Like, it is, uh, I could just get a reel of him saying things and I, I would be set for life. Uh, let's get into some of our unanswerable questions here. And this might be the question of the film. And I want you to really listen to this one. Who's thirstier? Cody for water or Sam for Cody? Like Sam. <laughs> she thought. She was a middle school thought. She defines the thought of the thought of the movie, which means for anyone who doesn't know what a thought is, it stands I for that know, ho. I do not know what a thought is. So a please, thought, T-H-O-T, stands for that ho over there. <laughs> and it is used commonly. It is used in middle school, high school, college. Um, there's even a song, Thatiana. Um, it is literally a term that can be universally worldwide. I'm truly shocked no one in office has used it to describe, you know, Monica Lewinsky. But that's my own personal opinion. Sam is thirsty. She's thirsty for attention. She's thirsty for Cody. Even the way the movie ends when she's like, don't go off and flare with other mer girls. Like, bitch, bye. If I was him, I'd be like, fuck you and your feet. I'm going after someone with a damn tail. But, like, she's thirsty and it's annoying and I hated her character. She was the worst. She's supposed to play, like his best friend, but she's rude and she's annoying. And I think at the time I liked Cody, so I automatically didn't like her. You know, even to this day, I'm like, oh, get this bitch off the screen. So much hate for Sam in this movie from you. It's it's unbelievable, really. I, you know, when I thought about that question, I'm like, that's the perfect question. I'm like, you know, Cody is so thirsty for water in this film, <laughs> but Sam is honestly thirstier. Uh, let's get into one other one. Why couldn't the mermaid just run or swim away with Cody? Why did she have to drop off her kid in the boat in the beginning of the movie? Like, it doesn't make sense. Where's Cody's father in all this? Why doesn't she age at all? There's a lot of questions with the mermaid I just don't understand, but couldn't she just swim fast with her son? It's not like Big John was catching up. Excuse me. First of all, you don't... You just insulted every mermaid out there have you never seen aquamarine mermaids don't age that's the typical myth about them they don't age they're truly like a hundred thousand years old when zeus first went underwater and you know struck titan or whatever mermaids don't age okay so that brings your myth buster first of all Second of all, she was scared for her life and she said she'd rather save her little baby she knew what she had to do i think she was noble why don't you get her on the show? <laughs> uh, hot take is Cody kind of an asshole. He develops this big man on campus mentality here. He wins the big swim meet. He accidentally calls Jess Josh, which is just a <laughs> fucked up move, which I hate when people do that to me. They always get, you know, Jordan mistaken for Justin or Josh. I get it all the time. So I hate when people do it. So honestly, was Cody kind of an asshole? No. <laughs> this is a typical middle school boy. I mean, everyone has that. 
asshole tendency, you know, things get to your head. Think about like when you won even like a stupid game of, you know, your underground poker, like your head gets big for a second. I don't think he was an asshole. Um, I just think he was confused about what was going on and he had so much pressure because Sean was on his back all the time. Is it fucked up that Cody was allowed to race? I feel like there should be an asterisk next to his record. He breaks the state record, but he's a mermaid. He's not allowed to race. He's, that record shouldn't stand. It's kind of fucked up. I kind of feel for Sean in that moment there. He loses to a mermaid. There's no chance a human's going to beat him. It's Honestly, I think there should be an asterisk in the record books. You are looking way too into this. No one knows he's a mermaid, and they're never going to know. It's the select few, and Big John's keeping it a secret. So hush, no. Let him win. I don't care. I'd rather lose to a mermaid than a normal person and be like, oh, shit, yeah, of course I didn't win. I lost to a mermaid. Rather than accept defeat of someone normal. Where is Jess's character today, do you think? Do you think he's like a CEO of some tech company? Do you think he's like a marine biology professor at Harvard? What do you think he's doing today? No, I don't think Jess is doing much of anything, to be honest. I could see him being like a, you know, a plain old dad, two kids, works like a car job. I don't know, salesman. I don't really think he did much of anything. I think Squince is who you should be looking into. He's his doppelganger. My, my last unanswerable question is, did Cody grow up to be the fish man from The Shape of Water? Is is that him? He goes full fish? No, I truly think there could be a sequel here of like Cody, he went out to sea, he comes back, you know, the school year started, people are starting to ask questions and then all of a sudden someone pushes him, Sean pushes him in the water and his tail pops out. I mean, mermaids can't be on, as we learned from, you know, the iconic uh, should have been Oscar nominated movie Aquamarine, mermaids can't be on land past five o'clock. Once the sun goes down, you're in trouble. Did you have any other unanswerable questions or should we move on to uh, half-assed internet research? We can move on. So the production apparently cost $5 million for the 13th year and was over budget. Uh, apparently the audition for the role for Cody involved the swim test and Chet Starbuck was actually on the swim and diving team in school. So that must've helped nail the audition. Uh, apparently there was an acting coach on set because this was Chess's first real acting role do you think the acting coach helped throughout the shoot? Do you think his acting was any good? Um, yeah, you know, I do think that his acting was pretty decent for his first role. And at that time, you know, they're a Disney Channel original movie. I was no Cadet Kelly. I mean, you got two huge stars in Cadet Kelly. For a breakout kid, you know, a lot of these movies, Raven Simone's in, or they had acting experience, you know, The Cosby Show, Lizzie McGuire. They already were established actors. I think, you know, for the 13th year, Luck of the Irish with these newer names, they did great. Yeah. They're kids. I don't know if you noticed, but during the scene where Cody's at the water fountain, and he's drinking for like, might be an hour, who knows? And there's a long line of people that develops behind him. One of the extras in that shot is Kristen Stewart. And that was her first role. Her mother was the script supervisor on the 13th year. So that must be how she got in. For anyone re-watching, she's the girl in the white turtleneck holding the green notebook. Did you notice Kristen Stewart? I don't think no, I did watch this. I didn't and I hardly noticed Kristen Stewart in movies today. That girl has a bad attitude and not my flavor. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on from that. Uh, the movie was shot in Newport Beach right here in California over six weeks, which is why you get those really stunning shots of the ocean. Uh, there was apparently a promotional tour of the film across a dozen cities during the summer of 99. 
we would have definitely been there if the cast came to Southern Florida, right? We would have been at that, uh, maybe, maybe an event they had at like Barnes and Noble or Borders or something. We would have, we would have met the cast, right? We would have met the cast. <laughs> I would have been first lined up. You know, I would have worn the mermaid tail blanket I had growing up. It would have been iconic. The last one I had was, of course, Sam, played by Courtney Draper. Uh, she kind of finished acting, and she became a lawyer, graduated from Loyola Law School here in L.A., and I believe she works for the L.A. District Attorney's Office now. So watch out, criminals. You may have, you know, one of the stars of the 13th year putting you behind bars. Oh, yeah, watch out. <laughs> So let's get to Apex Mountain, and of course, it's tradition on the show to explain the rules of Apex Mountain. And this is basically, was this the peak of somebody's career? Uh, was this where they had the most notoriety, the most popularity, that they could get the most uh, acting roles or whatever you know they were looking for after the film? So let's start with, of course, the star, Chez Starbuck. I have to say, this is definitely probably his apex. He really has not done anything since he played himself in an episode of the real l world in 2011 i have to admit i have failed in my role as a researcher for not going back and watching that episode so i think we'll go ahead and say that this was chess starbucks apex of his career apex this was his only career <laughs> i think this was probably well maybe it's a debate for courtney draper who plays sam uh like ryan merriman we see Disney Channel reusing a lot of their talent. Courtney was also the star of the other Disney Channel original movie, Stepsister from Planet Weird, which I don't remember if you remember that one. She was in 56 episodes of the show The Jersey, which is one of my favorite shows on Disney of all time, where kids put on a rare football jersey and they turn into their favorite sports star. So it had a lot of cameos from famous sports celebrities at the time. And she went on to do 86 episodes of the soap opera The Bold and the Beautiful. It looks like she gave up acting in 2009. Obviously, it seems to pursue a law career. Was this her apex, or will you give it to maybe the bold and the beautiful here? I don't know. I hate soap operas, and I don't like her, so let her have her apex wherever she wants. We'll give it to the bold and the beautiful, doing that number of episodes on a popular soap opera like that. I don't think we need to mention this as David Coulier's apex. Uh, of course, he's known as Uncle Joey on Full House. He was also in the Even Stevens movie, fun fact. But yeah, Full House, definitely his apex, not even a question. Yeah, not even a question. Uncle Joey's iconic. We have Timothy Redwine, who plays Sean. He was in the movie Punks. He played the star role there, which was also a movie in 99. Uh, he looks like he stopped acting in 2001 and is now a devout Christian in Northern California. So I think it's a toss-up probably between Punks and the 13th year. I'll give it to Punks because he played the lead role there. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'll give it to Punks. And then, of course, we have Justin John Ross, who plays, uh, you know, Jess. He played a voice in Recess, Lloyd in Space. He was also in the film Little Giants, but he also stopped acting in 2001. I think Little Giants is probably his apex. And it's funny because the director of the film also directed Little Giants. So I'm sure that was the connection of how he got cast here. Uh, what, what do you think? Little Giants is iconic, so I'm going to give that to Little Giants. I mean, most people would say the movie was awful, but it was very cute. I want to move to the director, Dwayne Dunham. He has such a weird IMDb. He has a mix of these kids' movies, but also, like, real mainstream work. He worked on the Star Wars films, Indiana Jones. He was an editor on those. Uh, he, was, he worked on David Lynch's show, Twin Peaks. He won an Emmy for that. But he also directed several... Disney Channel original movies. He directed Halloween Town, Ready to Run, Double Team, Now You See It, 
I think seven Disney Channel original movies in total, including directing Little Giants. I would imagine Star Wars was probably his apex, but which Disney Channel original movie would you say was his best film? I gotta give it to Halloween Town. That movie is literally iconic, all of them. Um, the grandma will forever be engraved in my head. That movie is so good. I still continue to watch it every Halloween because Freeform plays it on 31 Nights of Halloween. I truly think Halloween Town is one of Disney's tops. I'd have to give it to Halloween Town as well. The only other one I want to mention is Robert Baird, who was one of the writers on the film. He went on to write Monsters University and Big Hero 6. So two iconic Pixar and uh, Disney animated films that he had a part of. And again, this is probably not his apex. I'd probably have to give it to one of those other films. Big Hero 6 is great. Um, Monsters University was not as good as Monsters Inc. Still good, but Big Hero 6 is truly one of the cutest Disney movies ever. Finally, was this the apex for uh, Merman, Mermaid movies? We had The Little Mermaid in 89. We had, I don't know if you want to include like Aquaman in that or Aquamarine, but what do you think? We had Vinny Chase in the Aquaman version in Entourage. We had a lot of uh, mermaid stuff, but was this the apex in 99? No, absolutely not. Like I've said multiple times in this interview, uh, interview in this podcast, Aquamarine will forever go down as the best, hands down, the best, uh, excuse me, mermaid movie ever. That acting, woo. So good, touching, heartwarming, left you wanting more, left you wanting to be a mermaid, definitely dyed a strip of my hair blue because she had a strip of her hair blue. Aquamarine will forever hold the best. Um, Aquaman with, uh, why am I forgetting his name, the guy who played Call Drogo, um, Jason Momoa, not good. If any of you saw it, please, not good. Entertaining, but no. Aquamarine's the best um, mermaid movie. You know, the thing with this movie is you wanted more merman. Like, I wanted to see him swim, and I wanted to see him jump up and interact with dolphins. Also, for me, Aquamarine for real life, but animated? Oh, Little Mermaid, there's a no-brainer there. I'm really interested to see what they do with the remake. I am upset that Harry Styles will not be playing um, the prince, though. Yeah, I'd have to, I don't know, I think maybe Aquamarine, <laughs> because you had such a distinct memory of watching it when you were in middle school, but for the rest of us, it was The Little Mermaid in 89, I think is definitely the apex. I know we kind of started the mermaid films, but it was such an iconic film of the time, probably one of the most rewatchable Disney animated films, and uh, let's move on to who won the movie, and I think this is a toss-up, I think a lot of people would probably ch say Chez Starbuck won as his role of Cody, but I have to say, I think I think Jess won the movie. How did he win the movie? He got a friend that just left him. Now he has no friends again. He had, no. He didn't win the movie. He won nothing. He won a friend that grow, grew a fishtail and left. That's what he won. He learned how to swim. Cool. He could have <laughs> learned how to swim normally. Throw him in the pool enough times with his trombone. He'll learn. I'm telling you. Jess Starbuck won the movie. The Mermom won the movie. Who gets to abandon their kid for 13 years and then when he's all grown up, you don't have to worry about diaper training him, any of that stuff. She just gets to take him back. Cool. She won too. <laughs> I'll tell you who didn't win. Who didn't win is his parents who got all the hardship and then have to say, bye-bye, be back soon, see you back for the school year. They did not win. They got the heartache. The Mermom and Chaz won. It didn't seem like the school year was even over yet, honestly. Like, it didn't seem like summer let out. Like, it was super weird. They were just like, oh, yeah, come back when school starts. But school's happening. So 
again, there's a lot of nitpicks in this. Um, do you know some of the other kids' movies released in 99? 99. When did Little... No, Little Rascals was way before. I'm trying to think. In 99, there was other Disney Channel originals that came out that year. I want to say... What else came out around that time? Um, you know what? Some of also... Didn't Lady and the Tramp come out in 99? It did not. So I'll touch on some of the movies that were released in theaters in 99. And those included Toy Story 2. Okay. Stuart Little. Uh, Stuart Little's the best. Tarzan. Great. The Iron Giant. Amazing. And Baby Geniuses. Eh, that one was funny because they were like little babies talking. But when did the Brave Little Toaster come out? I, I don't know when the Brave Little Toaster came out. I don't think we're going to be covering that one on this podcast. Uh, but 99 was also a crazy year for Disney Channel original movies. Not only the 13th year, but also Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, Smart House, and Johnny Tsunami all came out in 99. So where does the 13th year rank with these other films? Smart House comes first. Over Johnny Tsunami. Smart House was amazing. To this day, um, the woman who played the voice of the house, she then went on to do Sons of Anarchy. Uh, Kathy, no, not Kathy. She's married to Kurt Sutter, but I can't remember her name at the moment. She is a legend. She's one of my favorite actresses. She played Gemma in Sons of Anarchy, and she will forever hold that uh, Smart House voice in my head. Smart House was great. I remember we bought it on VHS because we liked it so much. Johnny Tsunami, also great. You know how much I love water sports and all of that. So Johnny Tsunami to me was really cool. I'm still putting the 13th year before Johnny Tsunami. Uh, to be fair, I don't know if we'd be covering the 13th year if you didn't choose it. Uh, of course you would. That was one of Disney's most bizarre movies. I wasn't going to pick your basic, you know, luck of the Irish Jake or um, your basic, you know, Smart House Cadet Kelly. I was really between this um, and The Color of Friendship because I think The Color of Friendship, honestly, was very, like, moving as a kid. The Color of Friendship is so iconic, and I hope we cover it, so I don't want to touch too much on it now, but you're right. I hope you don't cover, I hope you don't cover Quince or whatever one where they have like 18 kids. That to me, no. So let's move on. Could this be remade as a movie for adults? Could we see a sequel, a prequel? What about, you know, a Mythbusters with Big John? You know, he seemed to prove that mermaids exist. Can we see a Mythbusters type of show with Big John hosting? No. Never let him back on television, please. The only thing I remember him is that brown hat and that ugly brown jacket, and no one needs him. What, if, what about Cody raising his own kids who have to deal with this change? Could you see a, you know, a sequel on that? Yeah, like a show. I mean, the thing is, mermaid shows don't really typically do well. You know, Freeform tried to launch Siren. That was terrible. I don't even know how it's still on. Um, thank God. That was terrible, but there's really nothing really close to water anymore. And I feel like a lot of, you know, even like the high school dramas you see, like, you know, the OC that takes place on the beach, like people are interested in that. Um, 90210, like California, I feel like they could do some like weird spinoff where like kids turn into mermaids. However, Disney Channel like shows have gotten so bad that I don't really know who's watching anymore. So you would want to see basically like the OC mixed with mermaids? Yeah. I mean, look, that Australian show did it, H2O, and it's like a huge hit in Australia. 
but this was years ago. Um, and then when H2O came to like American film, uh, like television production, when you could actually watch it in the US, a lot of girls might like who were like, you know, I was in middle school, watched it. A lot of people really liked H2O and it was filmed in Australia and it was, you know, four, three or four girls who were mermaids and all the drama they went through and they were like in high school and it did really well. I feel like it could, you know, resonate with a younger audience. And did this movie pave the way to have an Aquaman movie? I know the character Aquaman existed, but really the 13th year proved on the big screen, or maybe the small screen, because this was the television movie, that a movie about a guy with superhero abilities underwater could work. No, that did not pave the way for Aquaman. Little Mermaid paved the way for Aquaman. Um, no, <laughs> it did not. I'm sorry, but they didn't elaborate on the movie enough, like his aqua skills. Meanwhile, Aquaman's like throwing whales in the water. Like, no, this was not the movie that led the path. Uh, last question, and then I'll let you go. Did this movie live up to how you remembered it when we watched it as a kid? No, it was better. <laughs> It was better because as a kid, I think I was so amazed and I was like, oh my God, maybe when I'm 13, like I'll put my arm underwater and a fish scale will pop up. But this time I was like, I can't believe I bought this shit. So like, it was better. <laughs> Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the Relunchables podcast. I know I kind of had to drag you on, but I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. I will send you a Venmo request for however many minutes this ends up being. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.